Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. For the past several weeks now, um, we've been talking about the devotion of hearing the Word of God. Amen? But it was actually a full uh, topic. It was the devotion of hearing and the discipline of heeding. Uh, so for uh, the last several weeks, I, we learned the nine attributes that would hinder us from hearing the voice of God. You guys remember what they were? So I'm going to do a little recapitulation on those nine attributes, and then we're going to go right into the second part of the topic, which is we're going to be talking about the discipline of heeding. And if you want to understand that more clearly is the discipline of obeying. So now that you can hear the voice of God, the next step is what? Obey. Okay, obey. So one of the nine things that will hinder us from hearing the voice of God is living in in complacency, Just, just stagnant as a Christian. You're not growing. You're not developing. Because if you're not growing, then, then you're dying as a Christian. So living in complacency will, will hinder you from hearing the voice of God. Living in pride, pride, pride. First comes pride, then the fall. Uh, so pride is one of those things that, that will hinder you from hearing the voice of God because why do you need God when you know everything? Living a morally corrupt life will hinder you from hearing the voice of God. If you're not living right and you out there, you know you're doing wrong and you continually do wrong, Uh, then that can hinder you from hearing the voice of God. God calls that person a reprobate. A reprobated person is a person who knows what's right, but they continue to do wrong over and over and over again. That's the reprobate. Uh, Living in unbelief, that can hinder you from hearing the voice of God because everything about the Bible is about what we believe. He said, if you believe, if you believe, that means if, that means you got a choice, right? Living in fear. Fear. Wow. Fear will hinder us from hearing uh, the voice of God. Why is that? Well, you know, because, you know, fear just, you, you're afraid of everything. God tell you to do something, scared. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, has he? So why do we fear? Because we fear in our flesh. Our flesh is always afraid of something. Our flesh is particularly always afraid to do what God has called us to do, right? But, but he hasn't given us the spirit of fear. Our spirit is never fearful, but we do get fearful in our flesh. Hello. All right, uh, offense, living in offense, being offended, will, will, will hind, you will hinder, it will hinder you from hearing the voice of God because the word offense actually in the Greek, it has the meaning of the, the meat on top of the trap is an offense, that, you know, you're getting trapped in that because people who are offended, they're trapped. They're enslaved. They're like a walled city. Can't nobody get in, but you can't get out either. So that can hinder you. Living in religious traditionalism, <laughs> praise God. That's when you put the commands of man over the commands of God. Traditionalism, not tradition. Traditions are good. Traditionalism is when you take good traditions from man and you put them over the commands of God. So traditions are good. I love tradition. Every church has some type. This church has traditions. Every place, every organization has traditions. But traditionalism is when you go too far. Amen. Uh, Living in unforgiveness can hinder you and also living in disobedience. And so I'm glad 
uh, I, it was just nothing but the Holy Spirit put disobedience last because that's a little bit about what we're going to talk about today because when we start talking about heeding, when we start talking about obeying, we can't talk about obeying unless we start talking about disobeying. Already quiet. Okay, so let's go to the Bible then. Let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. We're going to talk about the discipline of heeding. The discipline of heeding. Uh, obeying the word of God. Now that you know the word, now that you have repented for those nine attributes, so now you should be hearing the word of God. The next step is obeying what you hear. That's, that's huge right there because it's, it's easier getting something than keeping it. Amen. Hello. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's easier getting it. It's easier. It's, easy. it's hard to keep it. Yeah. It, it. It was pretty easy to get saved. It's hard to stay saved. Yeah. Come on, saints of God. For those that had a church wedding, it was over in 30 minutes. But keeping it over 30 years, Lord have mercy. <laughs> Praise God. So it's easier to get it. Then keeping it. So now that we got the word of God, we got to learn how to keep it. Amen? Amen. So Hebrews, this is a very, very familiar passage of scripture. Everybody in the church probably knows this passage of scripture. It's Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8. Um, we, we're just going to read that one verse. I, I don't have time to take you through the whole thing. So if you will allow me, I'm just going to say that one verse, and then we're going to go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Is that okay? Will you indulge me this morning? Yeah. Okay, praise God. Thank you for being so kind. So Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8 says, Though he was a son, he being Jesus, though he was a son, yet he, Jesus, learned obedience by the things which he suffered. He, Jesus, the son of God, learned obedience by the things he suffered. Now, that should be an oxymoronic statement because how can Jesus, who knows everything, can learn something? So, so there's, there's a depth to the scripture that we need to understand that although Jesus was God, he came on the earth as a man. Jesus still had to make a choice. So just because you're in the church, just because you give tithes, just because you've been holy at one point in your life, <laughs> you still have to learn obedience by going through stuff. You won't even know that you are obeying unless you go through something. How will you know? And the other part of this is, none of us are exempt. If Jesus had to learn obedience, all right, all right, somebody, somebody say he's talking about me now. Yeah, and me. Amen. So let's go to Philippians. Turn right. Go to Philippians. I'm sorry. Turn left. Sorry. Going the wrong way. Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. We're going to read a few verses there. It says, Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. For all of the skeptics that say that Jesus never said he was God, there it is right there. He said he was equal with God. So Jesus is not a part of God. He is God. But made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient. Somebody say obedient. obedient. Obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, therefore, that means that this scripture ties into the scripture before it. Therefore, 
in, in order that, because of, when you see therefore, now it's getting ready to tie in the scriptures ahead to the scriptures that we're getting ready to read. He said, therefore, because he was obedient to the death of the cross, because he was willing to learn obedience by the things that he suffered, therefore God also has highly exalted him at Jesus and given him the name, not a name, but the name that's above every name that at the at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow of those in heaven, of those on the earth and those under the earth. That means the angels, man and the demons all have to bow down. Why? Because Jesus was obedient to the death of the cross. So your obedience will give you an anointing to rebuke devils. Every knee shall bow down and every tongue shall confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Father, thank you so much for the reading of your word. Father, I ask you to just crucify us today so that we can be obedient beings today. Because on the other side of it, I know there's an anointing to break every yoke and to remove every burden. We need that in every household, upon every church, in every organization right now. We need it to rest upon us, God, so that we can be the people of God that you've called us to be, that we can learn obedience by the things that we go through in Jesus' name. Can somebody shout amen? amen. See, even though Jesus had to experience something that was so horrible and, and that was so painful being the cross, he was determined, he was determined to obey the will of God. And so now, that, that comes to us because we have to learn that when we humbly obey God, that means we might need to go through something so that we can be sure. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay, I'm going to get into that a little deeper in a minute. But last Wednesday, uh, Brianna, I'm glad she was here today. Brianna gave us a quote last Wednesday at Bible study, and uh, Sharon, she, she actually put it out on Facebook. I love it because I, I shared it myself. And it said this. Listen to this very carefully. Listen to this. Listen to this quote. It's amazing. It says, if you took away the hurt that it caused you, you would never have gained the strength that it gave you. Okay, let me say it a little slower. If you took away the hurt that it caused you, you would never have gained the strength that it gave you. See, this verse teaches us that we have to choose to obey God even if obedience means we have to suffer. Okay, write this down, write this down, write this down. Got your pen, got your night notepads, write this down. Holy Spirit gave me this one. It's good. I had to share this one, too. It says, obedience to the will of God, more often than not, leads us to a place we just don't quite understand. <laughs> Let me say that one more time, because this was for me. <laughs> it says, obedience to the will of God, more often than not, leads us to a place we just don't quite understand. Okay, let me give you some Bible on it because y'all looking at me with that deer in the headlights look. Abraham obeyed God and he was led to a mountain to sacrifice his son. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Moses obeyed God and had to suffer the wilderness wanderings for 40 years. Joseph obeyed his father and he was thrown into a pit. He was in Potiphar's house and he was thrown in prison. David obeyed his father and he had to face the ridicule and the insults of his brother. 
Elijah obeyed God and then the brook dried up. <laughs> Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah obeyed God, and they were still thrown in the fiery furnace. I know we know them by their Babylonian names. This was their Hebrew names, but the Babylonian names were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were still thrown in the fiery furnace, but they were obeying God. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Jesus obeyed God, but he still had to go to the cross. So just because we're Christians and we go to church and we're doing all this Christianese stuff doesn't mean that somehow we are exempt from going through things. Uh, I love Dietrich Bonhoeffer. He's a, uh, a Lutheran. He was a Lutheran pastor and theologian. He was actually martyred. He, he, he made this amazing quote. Quote, only he who believes is obedient and only he who is obedient believes. Pretty fast, wasn't it? I know it, I know it. Let me slow it down. Only he who believes is obedient, and only he who is obedient believes. Simple but profound, isn't it? So if you believe, you should be obedient. Your obedience will determine your belief. So if you say you believe God, but you're not obedient to God, then you really don't believe God. 1 John 5, 3 says this, For this is the love of God that we keep. The word keep means to guard, protect, or obey his commandments. So now, the love of God is tied to the obedience to God. So we prove to God that we love him by what? Obeying him. Now, now, let's bring this down to North Carolina English, raising up our children. The best thing that our children can do for us to show us that they love us is obeying us. The worst thing they can do is disobey. But we still love them when we hit that little rear end. Amen? Our love for them proves that we're willing to discipline them. So why would God be any different? Whom the Lord loves, he don't chase him. <laughs> Whom the Lord loves, he chases. I heard somebody say that. No, he ain't chasing you. It's chastening, right? That means he disciplines, he, he corrects. But we all need to be corrected. None of us, none of us got it right. All the time. We might get it right some of the time, but we're not right all the time. There's only one person that's right all the time. That's my daddy. You don't believe it, you ask him. John 8:51 says, Most assuredly I say to you, if, if, somebody say if, if, if anyone keeps my words, he shall not see death. If anyone keeps, obeys my word. You see, obedience is all over the Bible, saints of God. But it's important to know this. L listen to this very carefully because this is a very important point I want to make here. Listening is not the same as obeying. <laughs> Just because you heard something doesn't mean that you're going to obey something because the knowledge of a thing is not the possession of it. Oh, I heard that before. You get people, you read the Bible sometimes, and they, 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 they're scholars. Can't untie two scriptures, but they're scholars. Oh, I heard that scripture before. Well, maybe you're getting ready to hear it in a different way. 
But just because you heard it don't mean you learned it the first time. That's why you got to hear it again. That's why God has to continue to show us scriptures that he's shown us before because we didn't get all that he wanted to show us the first time. That's why you can go five, six, seven years, and you look at the same scripture you looked at seven years ago, and God reveals something new to you. You go, wow, I never saw that like that before, God. Why? Because now you're on a different level. Now you can handle what God wants to give to you because you're at a different level now with him. Your relationship is different now. He can, he can, he can, he can trust you now with more revelation. Come on, somebody. But when you're on a different level... There are no new devils. Let me help you. Different level, different devils. The devil is the same. He still hates you. It doesn't matter if you're on this level, this level, or this level. It's going to be the same devil on every level. Why? Because the devil on that level, he's going to hit you at this level too. There's no different devil, saints. It's the same devil. You're going to face that same devil. If you didn't learn what you need to learn down here on this level, you're going to have to learn it on the next level. Amen. Sound good in a message? Ain't true. Same devil. He doesn't change. God doesn't change either. The devil hates you, will always hate you. He's going to go to the lake that burns with fire hating you. The devil is not going to change. He doesn't love you, never will. He's going to lie to you, think you, that you love him, that he, that, you, that he loves you, but he's a lie. Because he's the, oh, he's the father. How about that? Hmm. Read me that, huh? So listening is not the same as obeying. Do I have some scripture on that? Yes, I do. Thank you so much for asking. I don't know who that person was, but thank you for asking. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. Luke chapter 6, verse 46. I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation because it's more modern. Are you ready? One person. <laughs> I said, y'all ready? Amen. Praise God. All right, so in, in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 46, in the New Living Translation, it says this. So this is amazing. Listen to this. He says, so why do you call me Lord when you won't obey me? <laughs> That's pretty powerful right there. Now, this is Jesus. It's read in my Bible. It goes on to say this. I will show you what it's like when someone comes to me listens to my teaching, and then obeys me. It is like a person who builds a house on a strong or a sure foundation laid upon the underlying rock. That means you got to dig deep for the underlying rock. When the floodwaters rise, and we can name the floodwaters, it's, it's the storms of life, and break against the house, it stands firm because it is well built. Put your hand on your heart and say, I'm well built. Yeah, yeah, that was a message that said, I'm Ford Tough. I think it was something like that. Wasn't that you, bro, talking about I'm Ford Tough, something like that? Amen. So I'm well built. We're Ford Tough. Praise God. For all you Dodge lovers, I'm, I'm not saying that Dodge is not a good truck. I'm just saying we're Ford, Ford Tough, not Dodge Tough. So, so it's, it's, it's guts and glory for Dodge. I got that part. Okay. So then it goes on to say, but anyone who listens, check this out. Anyone who listens and doesn't obey is like a person who builds a house without a foundation. Glory to God. So in other words, Jesus is teaching us, the church, just like he was teaching the disciples then. He said, if you listen and you obey, it is like you digging a strong foundation or in me. 
Because he's talking about the rock. The rock is Jesus, the rock of revelation. So in other words, a person who digs into this word and obey what you learn, you're building a sure foundation so when the vicissitudes of life do come, you shall not be moved. But a person who shies away from this word and you disobey what God is saying, when things in life hit you, you, you don't have any sure footing and you're blown away. You're off course. Does that make sense at all? Amen. So he's talking about a house, but the house is you. Amen. It's a metaphor. So you're the house. Amen. Amen. The foundation is your spiritual relationship. So if your spiritual relationship is not rooted in the word of God, then you will not get your footing when things hit you in life. So when, when we get hit with things, we should already have enough of the rock of revelation to be able to stand. That's why we should study. Everybody should study. Well, things are going well. That's the best time to study. Because, boy, it's something getting ready to break loose. <laughs> something's coming. Amen. Something's getting ready to come around the corner. You just God is just giving you time to study the word. But when you don't, you're still going to have to deal with that, that life-changing experience. Amen? So obedience is vitally important. Listening is not obeying. The one person out of the whole of Scripture that I could find to talk about listening and obeying and how not to do something <laughs> was King Saul. Saul was a man who listened, but he, he didn't fully obey everything in the word of God. Let's go to 1 Samuel. Let's, 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 let's go to 1 Samuel. Everybody know the story. So to me, this was probably the best story uh, to pull out of the word of God to show what a man is like who don't fully obey the word of God. And you might see a little Saul in all of us. And what we need to do is rebuke that Saul spirit off of ourselves. Amen. Because uh, he was a king and sometimes we set up kings in our minds and in our spirits that we need to rebuke. First Samuel chapter 15. I can't read all of this for the sake of time, um, but I do want to start reading at verse 2. Is that all right? Okay, so first Samuel chapter 15, verse 2 says, Thus said the Lord of hosts, I will punish Amalek for what he did to Israel, how he ambushed him on the way, when he came out from Egypt. So this is God speaking through the prophet Samuel, um, and he's getting ready to speak to King Saul. So he's referring back when the children of Israel came out of Egypt, the Amalekites did not treat the children of Israel very kindly. Well, God never forgot that. So now God says, because you didn't treat my people kindly, something about to happen to you. Verse 3 says, now go and attack Amalek and utterly destroy all that they have and do not spare them, but kill both men and women and infant and nursing child, ox, sheep, camel, and donkey. How many were supposed to be killed? Everybody. 
everybody. They were, King Saul was not supposed to spare anybody. You got it? Is that making sense? So everybody, everybody, right? Everybody's supposed to be destroyed. So Saul gathered the people. Okay, so he's obeying, right? So Saul gathered the people <laughs> and numbered them in Ataliam, 200,000 foot soldiers and 10,000 from Judah. So he has 210,000 soldiers. You got the picture? All right, drop down to verse 7. And Saul attacked Amalek, uh, the Amalekites from Hevelah all the way to Shur, which is the east of Egypt. So, so you see these Hebrew people attacking and winning the battle, and they're winning land and territory all the way up to Egypt. Now, I don't have time to get into it right now, but, but, it, but this is also a reference to there were a lot of Ishmaelites in Egypt, and so the Ishmaelites saw the Hebrew people or the Jewish people taking territory. Uh, that may not make much sense to you, but, but the Ishmaelites are the Arabian people now who don't like Jewish people today. So this, they've been fighting for land since the biblical times. So Israel and everybody around Israel, they didn't just start fighting. They've been fighting ever since the day Abraham had both of them. Isaac and Ishmael. They've been fighting from then. So you got Isaac, the Jewish people, always having to contend with Ishmael, the Israelite, the, I mean the, uh, the uh, Ishmaelites, which are the Arabian people. And that's what the whole fight is all about, territory. They want it all. They want that little strip of Israel. But they will never have it because God says, that's my land. It doesn't matter who attacks Israel, you will lose because that's God's land. And that's where he's coming back. Right there. Amen. So, so they saw, they saw the, 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 uh, the Jewish people taking this land. So now look at verse 8. And I want you to circle something. He also took Agag. So, so circle, circle he. Or if you have an iPad or something, just, just highlight he. He being Saul. He also took Agag, Agag king of the Ishmael, Ishmaelites. It's, it's the Amalekite. Alive, yeah, that too. And utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword. So he, he obeyed, sort of. Because, uh, okay, go back up. How many of the people he was supposed to kill? Okay, but he spared Agag. So he obeyed, kind of, right? But Saul and the people spared Agag and the best of the sheep. Now, now, so Saul was thinking. Right? I know what God said, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to bless God. I'm going to get God something he don't, he don't really know he needs. <laughs> God don't realize he needs this, but I'm going to get the best sheep, the oxen, the fatlings, the lambs, and all that was good, and were unwilling to utterly destroy them, but everything uh, despised and worthless that they utterly destroyed. So in other words, they destroyed everything that was easy to destroy. But the stuff that they really like, they, they wanted to hold on to that. I like, I like this, God. I, don't, I like this. I don't want, I, no, I don't want to repent for that because I like that. I like this part of my life. 
no, I can't give that to you. I can't destroy that part of my life because I like, I like being arrogant. I like being prideful. God, I, I like this unforgiveness. I, I just want to be bitter. I like being angry all the time. God, that's my thing. I give you that other little stuff over there, but God, this part right here, this mine. Y'all don't know what I'm talking about. I knew it. 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 Can I finish reading? Okay, verse 10 says, Now the word of the Lord came to Samuel, saying, I greatly regret that I have set up Saul as king, for he has turned back from following me. Can somebody say disobedience? And has not performed my commandments, and it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night long. Man. Verse 12. So when Samuel rose early in the morning, because Samuel was about to go and confront Saul, because of what the Lord had revealed, because the Lord revealed this to the man of God, it's interesting how the Lord can reveal something to the man of God when the man that's disobeying God don't even know it. Let me say that one more time. See, God came to Samuel while Saul was disobeying God. God came to Samuel, the man of God, and told Samuel about the man of God who was disobedient. And the man of God who was disobedient did not know that God was having this conversation with the man of God. So even before the man of God who had a conversation with God about the man who was disobeying God, as soon as the man of God approached the man that was disobeying God, there was no way for this disobedient man to get out of what he did because God had already revealed it to the man of God. Is that making sense? So, so you can make up all the excuses that you want to make up, but God had already revealed to the man of God everything that the disobedient man was doing. Uh-huh. Is, is that making sense? And so, 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 so when Samuel rose early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel, and indeed, check this out, and indeed, he set up a monument for himself. So, so he obeyed God kind of. He didn't do everything that God told him to do, really. But then the stuff that he got, because God sent him there to do something, he did something different that he wanted to do. Then he comes back with all this stuff that he had no business having in the first place, and he set up a monument to himself so that he can show the people, look at how bad I am. See what we got? We're going to bless God. He set up a monument for himself. Notice, it didn't say that he set up a monument to sacrifice things to God. But he set a monument up for himself. I got to read the rest of this. I was going to skip some stuff, but I can't. Can we keep reading? Verse 13, then Samuel went to Saul. Now, here comes, here comes, here comes Samuel and Saul. They're meeting now. This is, this is so good, man. You don't even need to watch television. This is it. And so he went to Saul. Now, this is what Saul says. When, Saul's, when Saul sees Samuel, not knowing that Samuel already knew what Saul did. Right. So Saul is coming to Samuel like Samuel don't have a clue. Right. Uh, you, you got the picture? You got to see this, man. This is so good. And so Saul said to him, Saul said to the man of God who already know what he did. He says, blessed are you of the Lord. 
I have performed the commandments of the Lord. Somebody said, lie. <laughs> right then and now, the man of God is like, you, I, you're lying. Your lips moving. You're lying. You're lying, Saul. You're lying. That brother said, he runs up to Saul. I did everything that the Lord told me to do. Sometimes when people are in the church, And you ask them about something that God told them to do. They say, yeah, I did that. <laughs> Not knowing that God had already revealed to the man or the woman of God that you didn't do it. And guess what? The man of God, they just say, oh, okay. <laughs> Is that what we do? We go, oh, okay. All right, then. All right, then. Yeah. All right, roll on. <laughs> Verse 14. Now, here's Samuel. Here's Samuel, man. Isn't this good? See, you don't have to preach. You just read the word. Because the word is preaching. I hope it's preaching to you because it's definitely still preaching to me. But Samuel said, what then is this bleeding of the sheep in my ears and the lowering of the oxen which I hear? So Samuel, he didn't even get spiritual on him. He didn't even go spiritual. He didn't say, man, I was in prayer on my face for you and God came in the room and the room lit up and he began to show me your life Saul he didn't even get spiritual on Saul he said okay you obey God but what, what, is, what is this stuff I'm hearing what is, it, uh, 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 what is that <laughs> I'm hearing something Saul that just don't sound right so 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 come on come on so 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 and Saul says they Go back to verse 8 with me, please. Didn't I tell you to circle something or highlight something? Uh -huh. He. Now go back up. Go, go. Uh, I might have missed something. Go back up to 15. And Saul said, they. So now he's already passing blame. They ain't got nothing to do with me. I did what God told me to do. This is just some folks. <laughs> they have brought them from the Malachites. For the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice to the Lord. Now listen to the words, to the Lord your God. Now notice now, he didn't even say the Lord our God or the Lord my God. He said the Lord your God because Saul's relationship with God had already waned. The moment he disobeyed is the moment you reject God and you move away from him. And you can't have a relationship with him if you don't obey him. So he had to say the Lord your God because at that moment he was not Saul's God. You know who Saul's God was? Himself. Why? Because the Bible clearly said he set up a monument for who? It wasn't for the devil. He set it up for whom? Himself. So King Saul's king was Saul. Not God. Are you seeing this with me, saints of God? Isn't it nice just to walk through the word a little bit? This is pretty good stuff. And the rest we will utterly destroy. Verse 16, then Samuel said to Saul, be quiet. Now, now you, you can, it's easy to just read over that, but I can't. Because you're talking about a prophet speaking to a king. We don't understand kingship in the United States. We have no clue on what it's like to be under a king. See, Whatever the king says or does rules. 
anytime you're in a kingdom with a king, the king is saying, kill him, boom, you're dead right then and there. There's no questions asked, nothing. The king is saying, go take that house from them. I don't like them having a house. Guess what? Your house is gone. No question. That's the king. That's a king. So Saul was the king. Samuel was the prophet. Samuel told the king, shut up. <laughs> All this foolishness. You better know you heard from God to speak that way to a king. King Saul, even at the moment of disobedience, King Saul could have told his men, kill him. Samuel would have been gone. And God would have raised him from the dead and then took him all out. <laughs> Amen. But you see, you see what I'm saying here, right? So just for him to say, be quiet, that had a lot of significance to it. Because Samuel knew where Saul's heart was. He knew it wasn't right. He said, be quiet. That was a nice way to say it. I thought, I thought that was nice. Uh, I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. Now, he says, I've already heard from the Lord. So all this foolishness you're talking about, let, let me tell you what God said to me. He said to him, uh, Saul said, speak on. So Samuel said, when you were little in your own eyes, were you not head of the tribes of Israel? So in other words, God is the one who gave you your promotion. He was the one who set you up as a king. Because Saul was little in his own eyes, but God still anointed him to do great things. That's just like us. Sometimes when God will put us in a place, knowing we came from, from, from a place that we should not even be where we are today. Who are we to take, take, take all responsibility for that when God put us there? So what he's doing now, he's taking Saul back to the beginning so Saul can see who's in control. So in other words, Samuel was saying, you wouldn't even be where you are today if it hadn't been for God. Sit your little tail down. That's what I would have said, but it's not in the Bible. That's going to be in my translation. Sit your tail down. But, and so he, he, so he said, you know how little you were in your own eyes. And did not the Lord anoint you king of Israel? Verse 18, now the Lord sent you on a mission and said, go and utterly destroy the sinners, the Amalekites, and fight against them until they are consumed. Why did you not obey? Obey. Somebody say obey. Why did you not obey the voice of the Lord? Why did you swoop down on the spoil and do evil in the sight of the Lord? And Saul said to Samuel, but I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. So at some point, guys, you just got to say, okay, you got me. But this is what deception will do. Because there are a lot of people in the world that are deceived today. Deception will, make, will convince you that what you're doing is right. We have a whole world full of deception. ISIS has convinced themselves that beheading people is right, it's okay. And they're going to get 72 versions and 70 versions of how many them people lied to them. They said and grapes and stuff. But, but it, it, it's going to be by 70 demons. And you ain't get no grapes. And that's the reality. But they have convinced themselves. But, but, but there, there's whole societies of people that have convinced themselves that what they're doing is right. And you can't tell them otherwise. And if you confront them on it and say, oh, I know what I'm doing is right, just like King Saul. So he's no different than most people in the world. Even when Samuel said, the Lord already told me. Even when the church says, I'm telling you, that's not God. I, I still like this. It's no different. 
God can take an Old Testament scripture and actually, it's like that today. When a man or woman of God, you can come to somebody, your family members. You know what you're doing is wrong. What do you mean is wrong? How you, you going to tell me it's wrong? See, there you go judging me. See, there you go to that judgment thing. Because the people in the world will always take conviction as judgment. No, what they're actually, they're convicted because they know they're living wrong. But they tell you, you, you need to stop judging me. <laughs> and if you call yourself a Christian, Apostle Paul says we can judge you. See, that's why you need to rightly divide the word of truth. See, so most people don't know that's in the Bible, but the Bible says we have a right to judge those that are in the house of the Lord who are not living right. But if you're not saved, we can't put our mouth on you. That's God. Hello, saints of God. All right, so we're not judging. We're just trying to show, you know, you're not, you know, you need to get it better because you love them. The only reason you do it is because you love them, don't you? Amen? So it goes on to say, let me get to the rest of this so we can close this and go home and eat. And um, he said he obeyed, and we know he did in verse 21, but the people took of the plunder. The people, the people. It wasn't Saul, so now he's, he's blame shifting. But the people took of the plunder, the sheep, the oxen, and the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God, your God in Gilgal. So Samuel said, has the, Lord as has, has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. Witchcraft. Rebellion is like witchcraft. Good Lord. And stubbornness is as the iniquity of idolatry. That means you're putting yourself over God and anything else. Uh, you have a God, but it's not the God. Because you have rejected. Oh, boy. Here it is right here. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has rejected you from being king. So, so this flies in the face of that once saved, always saved. God himself, through the man of God, says when you reject God, God reject you. So how are you going to be once saved, always saved? Because you can say the prayer and reject God. God says, I don't know you. Now, that preacher told you that you're saved, but I depart from me. Because the preacher can't get you into heaven. <laughs> Only Jesus can. And you better know the word from a false doctrine. Amen. So listen, so let, I'm almost done. So five reasons why obedience to God is better than sacrifices, because that's the question. He said obedience is better than sacrifices. So why is obedience better than sacrifices? I got five reasons why obedience to God is better than making sacrifices for God. Obedience to God is better than making sacrifices for God. You got it? Obedience to God is better than making sacrifices for God. Got it? I must be hungry. <laughs> All right, let me hurry up then. First one. It's in verse 21. First one. Verse 21. We saw it. Obedience is better than sacrifice. So I'm going to do the reverse. So sometimes to learn what you need to learn, you got to learn what not to do. Okay? So I'm going to do the reverse today. So I'm going to talk about disobedience so we can learn what obedience is. Amen? So disobedience uh, 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 oh, oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Let me go up to verse 21, 21. But the people took of the plunder, the sheep, the oxen. So notice he, he blame shifted. So disobedience is based on looking good to other people rather than looking good to God. Because sometimes in order to look good in front of the people means you might need to reject what God wants you to do. 
i.e., that's why peer pressure is so tough. Because our kids today, they're under so much peer pressure uh, to look like, act like their peers. And knowing what the reality is and what the truth is and what they are learning at home, sometimes they're torn. And, and yeah, I, 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 want, I want to agree with what my parents are saying, but I want to fit in too. But in order to fit in, you have to disobey what your parents taught you. Okay, let's bring this home to adults because we're fighting every day too and we got all of this stuff going on in our lives and God says, I want to spend some time with you. I need you to study the word of God. Okay, I know I need to study the word of God. I know I heard what you said, God. I need to open up my Bible, but I know I got my favorite TV show on called Scandal. So I want to watch Scandal or be scandalous myself, but, but I know you just said that I need, to, I need to listen to the word of God, but I don't know, Lord. I, 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 want, to see, I want to learn how to set up my own empire. So I got to watch empire but i know you told me to study the word of god and i uh, and, and in order to watch and not study means i gotta disobey god oh, y'all don't know what i'm talking about i know y'all don't watch those programs so <laughs> if you do repent <laughs> i'm just playing you watch whatever you want proverbs 16 and 7 says when a man's ways please the lord he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. So sometimes if you just go ahead and read the word of God, don't worry about what you need to watch. God might be getting you prepared because of an enemy that's on the way. But when you reject the word and you don't get in it and God wanted to show you something and you plop yourself down and you watch that television, then that enemy is still coming. You just won't be equipped with what you need. All right, I go on to the next one. I saw your faces. I saw your face. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Let's go to number two. I saw it. I'm, I, I can roll on. All right, I'm rolling on. Verse, the, the next one is, is in verse 23. It says, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft. So disobedience is an act of rebellion. Rebellion against God is perhaps the most serious and dangerous sin of all because as long as a person rebels, he or she closes the door for forgiveness and restoration with God. Disobedience is an act of rebellion. Number three, it also included the word idolatry in that same verse. So disobedience is a form of idolatry. Romans chapter 6, verse 16, we all know this scripture very well. It says, do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one slave whom you obey? Whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to, right, leading to righteousness. So in other words, whatever you obey, you're a slave to it. So if you obey yourself all the time, you're a slave to self. That means self is master. But Jesus taught us no man can serve. You're going to hate one and love the other. So if you're serving yourself as master, how can you serve God as master? That's why it's called idolatry. That means you're God. That is tough stuff. That's what that's, this disobedience, though. Did y'all did you know disobedience was tied up in all of this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Disobedience when you put people over God. Disobedience is an act of idolatry, disobedience is an act of rebellion. Number four is found in verse 23 again. 
Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you. So disobedience is a rejection of God's word. You disobey. God asks you to do something simple, and you say, no. So God says, he, put his, he puts it in your heart. You're driving down the road. He puts it in your heart. Somebody, a face, a name, call them. Mm, I call them when I finish today. Yeah, he puts somebody in your heart. You put it, he, and you know, you know, you just got an impression to pray, and you turn the radio up. That's my favorite song. I pray later. And you know you ain't going to pray later. Because you forget. Do you realize that's disobedience? That's how God sees that as you just disobeyed a direct command from the Lord. See, God wants to get us to a point to where it doesn't matter what we're doing, when we're doing it. When he speaks, we drop everything. Even in your prayer time, if you're praying and your cell phone rings, let it ring. Because what God has for you just may be what you need for that person on that phone. The enemy will try to distract you. The moment you say, okay, Saturday, we all going to go to the church and pray. You watch how much stuff come up. You watch how much stuff comes up. I, mean, I was planning that prayer, I don't know how long, <laughs> to come in here and pray a couple of Saturdays ago. We had, what, about five folks in here. Because stuff comes up. That's okay. We still had a good time. You just set up, it doesn't matter what it is. You just set a time you're going to spend with God and watch what happens. Hello. I talk to the right people. Hosea 4 and 6 says, my people are destroyed for the lack of knowledge. Because you have rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. Now, it doesn't stop right there. It says that you shall be no priest to me because you have forgotten the law of your God. I will also forget your children. That's pretty deep. That means if you disobey, then you're going to raise up disobedient children. He's going to reject all of you. <laughs> Was that in the Bible? <laughs> That's cold-blooded. Disobedience, <laughs> disobedience is the rejection of God's word. Here's the last one. And it's found in verse 24. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. Now he finally repents. After he lied about three or four times, he said, I have finally sinned. So disobedience is sinful. Let me wrap up with this. It's the last verse I want to give you. Write this down. Deuteronomy 30, 19, and 20. So we know Deuteronomy 30 and 19, but we may not know 20. I think everybody knows Deuteronomy 30 and 19. Right? So go ahead and turn in your Bible. I want you to see it. But for the sake of this message, you got to see 22. Not 22, but 20 also. 30 and 19. Are you there? Now, we all know this scripture, don't we? Okay, this is the last scripture, and we're going to pray. He said, I call heaven and earth as a witness today against you that I have set before you life and death. We know this scripture, don't we, guys? Blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. So he sets it for before us, but, but God is so good. He's the master teacher. He gives us the answer. Right? Amen. Amen. Now, listen, let me, let me put a tack here. Now, when you're in school, in college, it doesn't matter, your master's, doctorates, you know, uh, undergrads, it doesn't matter, high school. When you're in school, the teacher gives you the answers. 
You go over the answers in class, right? And you know where they are in the book. Well, just because you know where the answers are in the book or you, the answers are given to you, it doesn't stop right there. Why? Well, eventually, later on, you're going to have to account for what you heard. Because now when you take that test, it's going to reveal if you were listening. <laughs> so when you go through the test of life, God says, I gave you the answers. Why are you struggling? He said, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Now, most of us stop right there, but we got to keep reading. It says that you may love the Lord your God, that you may obey his voice, and that you may cling to him, for he is your life and the length of your days, and that you may dwell in the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give them. Obedience is better than sacrifice. God is requiring us to obey regardless of what we have to go through, saints. Now listen, let me, let me just, let me share this. Let me share this with you and I'm done. When you obey God, get ready. <laughs> when you obey God, just get ready. I'm just, I'm just saying. Because a lot of times if you get this, this, this greasy grace message, that once you get saved, everything is just going to be hunky-dory. You're not going to have any issues. Pay your tithes, everything's going to be wonderful. But that's not, that's not, that's a bad sales pitch. That's not what the Bible declares. Because if Jesus learned obedience by what he suffered, then when you obey God means you might have to go through something. I'm going to just tell you like this. Every time the Lord gave me something to do and I obeyed him, it was tough. As a matter of fact, you're sitting in this building. That almost didn't happen. Because when God wanted me, of all people, to start a church, me, and I obeyed, I was like, Lord, <laughs> can I just slap him? <laughs> So I'm telling you, when you obey God, it might not always be hunky-dory. I just finished reading uh, Carrie Marchbank's book, her last, her second book, and you guys are all over her book. You got to go get her book. This church is all over her book. And she was talking about how, and most people don't know her real story. Her real story, she really struggled with her faith when, when she found out she had uh, breast cancer. So here's a person who, for most of her life, ate right exercise, all that stuff, and she still got cancer. So she felt like she was a hypocrite because she's been taking, telling people to eat right and all this stuff, and it'll keep you from disease. So she struggled in her faith. See, most of y'all don't know that. But we would have these conversations, and I would help her. I ate fairly okay. I worked out, all this stuff. But... <laughs> You say no, but I eat all right. 
You know what I mean? I mean, I, I did like my sweets and stuff like that. So who don't like sweets? I mean, um, you'd be unhuman if you didn't. So, but for the, I'm not overweight. I'm fairly good shape. For an old 50-year-old man, I'm not too bad. I still got cancer. So just because you obey God doesn't exempt you from not going through stuff, saints. That's what I'm saying. But while you're going through, you still obey. See, that's the thing. You don't give up on God because God. And if he did it before. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number three, dot org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.